Thanks for tuning in to Talking Tech, a bi-weekly podcast uncovering all of the news within our digital world. Talking Tech is hosted by Vast Media co-owners Tanner Holland and Andrew Bruton. Be sure to subscribe to get notifications every time a new episode is available. You can also learn more about Vast Media and what we do by visiting www.vastmedianc.com. Now, onto the show. Welcome, guys, to our first episode of Talking Tech, a bi-weekly podcast where we'll unpack everything that's going on within our tech community in a way that is simple to understand. I'm joined today by Andrew, who's the co-owner of Vast Media. Andrew, how are things over in Princeton? Cold. Very cold. <laughs> it's cold here, too. Um, well, jumping in here first, the first topic for tonight is, of course, the big old Apple leak that happened last week um, about a couple of upcoming projects Apple's got going on. Uh, these rumors are coming from Ming-Chi Kuo. I don't know that I'm pronouncing that right. Hopefully, I am. Uh, he's a reputable we'll insider based on 9to5Mac uh, on Apple information. And one of the most polarizing topics of his rumors this week is the possible removal of the touch bar for upcoming MacBook Pros. After the leak surfaced, many, many took to the internet to both criticize the touch bar while others came out on their side of the story and showing great enthusiasm over the touch bar. So I guess the first question I have for you, Andrew, is on the touch bar, do you use it on your MacBook? Um, it depends on what program I'm in. Um, the lighting software that I use is a Mac-based uh, software, and it takes full advantage of the touch bar. Um, I have brightness controls, uh, hue, color controls, things like that, which are very useful to have so I can look at what my lights are doing, but also have the touch bar and look at my colors and things. Uh, and then there's programs like Premiere Pro, which have absolutely no support <laughs> for the touch bar. GarageBand, I don't think, supports it. It would be really nice if Premiere... Adobe, if you're watching this, hook me up, please. Um, it would be nice to have a scrollable timeline, almost like what you have in QuickTime in Premiere. So I can just scroll. Like if I know something's at this part with this thumbnail, I just click and scroll to that yes. versus scrolling around, switching windows if I'm not in the right window and things like that. Um, so I would say overall, I like the touch bar, but I feel like it is very limited in its current use. And after this the touch bar has been in production for what a few since, models since now. I think this is the second model. Yeah, so you would think since 2016, with it being 2021 now, there'd be a lot more support than what there actually is. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm feeling too. The um, I've got a couple programs that it's nice to use, especially when you're browsing in Safari or something like that. But in terms of Premiere or even in Photoshop, really, the controls that they do give you in Photoshop and Premiere. They're just not very useful to me. Um, a lot of times I end up just using the function buttons on my computer anyway. So, <laughs> One of the good features with um, with me editing in Photoshop sometimes, this, this is the baseline MacBook Pro. And I edited a photo today that was about 10,000 pixels tall. Wow. And so when the Mac OS doesn't respond all the way, and touch bar, like I have a window that pops up that's like confirm, like when I go in and transform something, it is nice being able to press OK on the touch bar and not interact with Mac OS in case, you know, my computer sounds like a jet trying to take off to NASA. SpaceX, we're going to beat you with our Macs. True. And with the newer MacBook Pros that are out right now, they actually physically have an escape key, which is one of the big gripes that a lot of people had versus having the digital escape key. I don't have the physical one, which would be nice to have it at but I for times when you need an escape key and the touch bar decides not to work. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of one of those people that 
touch bar is okay. I mean, it's not something that I frequently use, but I wouldn't mind it. One of my favorite things actually about it is the the volume slider and being able to just quickly drag the volume pretty precisely, honestly, yep. versus having a button where you can just tap and turn the sound up one notch or two. So it's really nice. Uh, like if you're playing uh, like pre-service music or something through a sound system and you don't have access to the board, you can very finely use your finger and scroll down the audio versus trying to use it with your mouse on the volume bar, which is actually not as precise as you would think. With exactly. And I think the the best thing about the touch bar, uh, well, originally they were including it as like a premium when they first marketed the touch bar. You had to pay extra to get the touch bar, but now it's kind of been across the board with all the MacBook Pros, which was nice. So uh, I know quite a few people are going to be excited to see it leave, but some of us might miss it just a little bit. I uh, might be one of those people too. I think it looks kind of cool. Did you know that this podcast is also available as a video podcast? Search Vast Media NC on YouTube to learn more about tech in our ever-changing world. Now, back to the show. Uh, moving on, though, our second story has to do a lot also with Apple. Uh, with a new concept render coming out highlighting the Apple TV remote. A lot of you guys probably know about the remote. The renderings depicted what appears to be the last generation iPod Nano being utilized as an Apple TV remote. The current remote is another polarizing design choice from Apple with the most people griping over its very sensitive trackpad, fragile glass design, and its easy to lose form factor. Heck, I mean, I've lost mine probably... Gosh, I don't know, 30 times? It's glass? Yeah, so the, the front of it is glass, the current one right now. Um, the, the, the new oh, okay. design. We have, I think we have the last gen. Yeah, yeah, it's the last gen iPod Nano that they're talking about here. Um, it shows multiple functions of the iPod Nano. Uh, it's touchscreen, being able to switch between apps, uh, purchase things with Apple Pay, and suggest a couple things for you to watch on TV. The OS appears to be built on watchOS, and it's unclear whether this is the form factor that we might see in 2021 as we are expecting a refresh this year. So, Andrew, I guess my only question for you is how do you feel about using an iPod Nano for a remote? I feel like it's almost useless at this point because like there, so I can run Spotify on my watch. I can run Keynote on my watch. I have so many devices. I can play Pong on my watch if I really wanted to. I've done it before. Don't ask me why. <laughs> um, but th there, there comes a point and I think not enough Apple people are going to realize this, but there's going to come a point where there's just too many devices. I'm all for everything being summed down to one centralized device. Like the iPhone can do so much. An, an iPod is an iPhone without a SIM card, essentially. This remote is just a smaller iPod. And you said earlier that it was based off watchOS, yeah. we're pretty sure. It's not confirmed, but that's what it sounds like. Why are you making another device that's based off the same operating system when you can just load more stuff? So on basically, watch? you think that someone should have to own an iPhone or some other iDevice in order to use the Apple TV, really? Yes and no. If they want to take the advanced features of having, uh, like you said, the um, Apple Pay and some other devices, one thing that brings up. How is Apple Pay going to work if it doesn't have a SIM card? Is it going to link to your iPhone well, I would assume it would just or your watch? The Apple TV? Because this is just to control the Apple TV. Oh, okay. So this is okay. Um, well, then, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> I, I'd personally yeah, welcome I was the like, change. did they just? I I can see why you would welcome the change, but for me, in the way that I use Apple TVs, we use them here at the church as 
almost wireless displays. All of our TVs have an Apple TV on the back of them, even if they have AirPlay because it's more reliable. We don't use them for anything past that. And I think if someone really wanted to take advantage of the extra features, you could use the iRemote, if that's what they're calling (laughs) it. Remote. I think it'll turn into something almost kind of like the headphone jack thing where people thought it would be good and then it turned out being bad because now so many people's like, hey, do you have a dongle? No, it's in my car. Well, where's your car? At the house. I rode with a friend. It, it's simple things that I think are going to be met from both sides with different opinions depending on which side it you're on. It is at least supposed to be USB-C. At least that's what it's rumored. So at least we'd get that over the lightning port. So that would be a win for us. Good. Uh, but moving on here, um, it's no secret that CES every year prevents a lot of amazing tech. And this year is absolutely no different with tons of new stuff coming out for cars, uh, televisions, and of course, new phones and laptops. It's definitely got a lot of reviewers' attention. It got my attention too. But the all-virtual event also produced some strange and definitely some weird gadgets that are coming out this year, like the smart doggy door with a built-in camera to monitor your pet. It features two-way audio so you can communicate back and forth with your pet and a custom collar to control the door for your pet so you can lock the door so they couldn't go out at certain times. All that sounds really cool. I saw this in a movie. I saw this in a movie. (laughs) I don't remember what movie, but one of the pets had a little remote on their collar and it would unlock the I mean, door. it sounds really cool until you see the price tag. The price tag is coming in at a whopping $3,000 for the full package. So is it by Apple? when are you buying this for Max? Tomorrow. <laughs> Hands down. I gotta say, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna um, be buying it. YouTube, if you can go ahead and give us our ad revenue so we can get that. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm buying it. $3,000 for a door seems a bit outrageous. It's almost like those... I spent that much on a complete system. I mean, really, system. it's... Why would I want to put that much into a door when I can walk to my door and be like, come inside, That's please. a whole security system. Like, I mean, you could get, you could give really your dog is. like an RFID tag and have the whole door open for that amount of money. Like, wow. You could do, you could do every single door in your house for that I amount mean, of money. I mean, really. Versus one door. So also at CES this year, uh, there was a concept for a Keurig-like device that dispenses ice cream. The device weighs almost 50 pounds and can produce a full bowl of ice cream in about two minutes. Simply load a pod, similar to the Keurig pods, into the container, and after waiting on the freezing period, which lasts about two to three minutes, the machine will spit out a bowl of ice cream. The company is offering multiple flavors at launch to suit all of your cravings, but you're probably going to have to wait a little while as they're not expecting to start production until about 2022. Uh, personally, I think I'm going to stick to regular soft serve ice cream as the pods are supposed to be about $4 a pod, which is about the pint, about the cost of a pint of ice cream, really, or even a, you can almost get a gallon for that. So are you sticking with soft serve or are you, you going to buy you a fancy Keurig? Are the pods, would they be like one-time use or could you like one-time run use <laughs> twice? Okay. Then yeah, no, I'm sticking with soft serve. I, I can't justify the upfront cost of the machine, which do you have a price? They did point not on release that? a price at the event. Um, but Probably fifty pounds is already like wow. <laughs> I could buy fifty pounds of ice cream for well, less. The than machine the itself that weighs fifty pounds. Like, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I, I, I could still buy fifty pounds of ice cream for much cheaper. Exactly. Than it would take. Exactly. With that I'd system. be scared for my countertops. And spending four dollars, four dollars for a bowl. Not not even a pint, like a bowl. 
plus the upfront cost of the machine. It would I have to be some it. really the, good The ice convenience cream. it would, and coming out of a pod being flash frozen, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see think it. it would be that good. And finally, General Motors debuted a prototype air taxi that honestly looks like it's straight out of a Star Wars movie. The vehicle is an all-electric. It has four rotors and is capable of flying at speeds up to 56 miles per hour. It appears to be a single-seater, so you won't be able to take these for a date to tour the cityscape or anything like that. But it's more geared for quick trips across town, go to the grocery store, that kind of thing. Um, while GM is not releasing a production date at this time, the mere existence of this thing at CES goes to show that we, the way we travel right now may look a lot different coming up soon in the future. Um, I guess my question is, can it hold, you know, a couple hundred pounds worth of gear? And if so, sign me up. <laughs> Catch Bass Media on our we next can, gig. We can stop. <laughs> yeah, just just fly <laughs> our hovercraft to the gig. <laughs> I would love it. I, I think, you know, something like that, we're getting to a point in technology and in society where things that you start, things that you see in movies are starting to be you know, like you take the the intro from I think it was like the Jetsons, yeah. right? Was wasn't it? Yeah, you take things out of that. We're starting to see things like that in real life. Um, some YouTubers that I've watched have made hovercrafts out of a bike. You know, there there's there where where technology is right now. We're only going to grow from there. And seeing this prototype, albeit a prototype, I don't know how to word <laughs> this exactly. You know, we can only go forward from there. You know, it, it costs are going to come down to produce it. It's going to hit, you know, production runs, production lanes, and it's going to, um, I don't think, I think it'll take a long time, but I think something like this will become almost as mainstream as Tesla's. You know, not everybody you know owns a Tesla, but some people you know own a Tesla. And I think that's going to be very similar to what happens with this, assuming you know, whenever this thing actually releases. Yeah, I can definitely public. see it starting out as like a luxury item for those with a lot of money. You know, buy your own air taxi. We'll see you. There'll be a couple helipads at the food lion nearby and you can drop on and get you some groceries and fly on back home. And then eventually uh, it'll start working its way down like the Teslas. We've got, you know, the lower model, uh, the Model 3 and the Model Y now, uh, which are a little bit cheaper than the um, Model S and the Model X. So definitely I could see that coming up in about the next 10 years. Maybe we'll have fancy Uber ads coming up soon. <laughs> How does this interfere with like speed limits? Like does it hover over the ground or is it like, you know, you're 50 uh, feet in the so air? So what they showed there was like 100 feet in the air. So they would basically have to like oh, okay. start all new laws to even like restrict this kind of stuff and then you go into the whole debate like there's no roads how do you you know everything is like as the crow flies not you know city roads and things like that so there's a lot of planning that's got to go into it would it be would you drive it or would it be an automated uh, thing this one was automated so you just punched in a gps location and then off you went it would well in that case the way you said like 10 years from now the more of these that are going to have there's there's going to have to be some sort of like mesh network where these things know where they are in relation to each other because a crash coming from 100 feet i don't think that would be yeah fun. i think you know you're you're just on a date in the field with you and your significant other and then suddenly two you know however much they weigh hovercrafts <laughs> come falling on you that's a perfect way to end a date right there just like 
I love you, babe. Brad, I you've gotten your uh, soft serve ice cream from the Keurig machine. Yes. And you're walking down Main Street. Yes, that, that would be exactly what, that's what happen. happens. You've just bought your doggy door and you've got your ice cream and then a helicopter comes flying down and hits you. Well, that's going to be a wrap on our first episode of Talking Tech. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to come back on February 12th for your next round of tech news and rumors. Until then, we are Vast Media. Thank you. Stay safe. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to Talking Tech. We truly appreciate you. Be sure to follow or subscribe so you'll be notified when our next video is out. Until then, we are Vast Media. Oh, 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 oh